the one. Something better for the audio only interview. Yeah. All right. Well, Miss um, Lindsay, how about you introduce yourself, but um, without telling me what you do for a living. The one with the handle and the long string with the ball at the end. Yeah. Like the shot put, but like on a rope. the rails real quick here because yeah. of that statement but um really, really yeah okay you got like three reasons why bellingham washington yeah. is like your favorite place Thank you in the whole world another place yeah. where people will say oh my god like the summers are the greatest thing in the world you know why summers in wisconsin are the greatest thing in the world you just went through seven months of misery and cold and then you're like it's it's such a juxtaposition that you're so happy and excited that it's like warm and sunny but really there's like a ton of mosquitoes it's like 90 degrees humidity is high as heck this is wisconsin not Bellingham. um so but yes, outdoor, lots of outdoor activities. And the summer is a perfect time for everything. It stays super light in the summer, which I love. It's like 10, 30 feels like so nice. Um, it stays warm at night, even like, I don't even think San Diego stays at one night. No. Not to complain, there's not much to complain about San Diego. But um, yeah, and another third thing, I don't know, I, I wouldn't call it, I just have so much fun in that town. Yeah, but, like, the memory a lot of memories. Memory. Yeah. Um, my mate, so after college, moved to Florida um, for a solid 18 months. So taking that, really, the worst decision of my life. Um, went back to Bellingham. And then moved down to San Diego after the summer in Bellingham. It was summer in Bellingham. And let's see, I've been here for like five years now. I've biked down to my son. Like you literally, like that's how you moved here is with a bicycle? Pretty epic. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, started Portland. And then How long of a journey was that? Five weeks. We took a bus. Okay. Yeah. We took like a week on total, probably. And that was at the, the one place. 
Monterey. Yeah. Yeah, and I did a digital bike swim event that was here in Nicaragua. And then settled here. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was like two months. But I was like, Too much, we're, too much. We're still friends, don't worry, but it was just like... It was yeah. intense. It was yeah. intense. It was a lot of time. I mean, doing extended periods of cardio together, yeah. and then also just an extended period of time. Of, I'm guessing you weren't uh, balling out on a thick budget. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. So. I did not share a tent. It was just two guys. And I, I did not, we, everyone asked, did you share, did you guys share the tent? Are you guys sharing the tent? Like, no. We found a way from each other. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, still great friends of Baltimore, but uh, and it was an awesome adventure. So then, yeah, been here for five years. What was your biggest takeaway from that adventure? That's a great question. What was a takeaway? Like yeah. First one that comes to your head. When you do a bike tour, you are experiencing what car commercials are trying to sell you. So you're you like the climate, you experience the, the outdoors, you're experiencing the, the different, like, elevation, like, everything that a car commercial is trying to push on you, the outdoors, you know, you see those, like, commercials that are out in the outback, if you're, when you're inside the car, it's a little different, when you're literally with the environment, yeah, 24 hours straight, it's just a different feeling, yeah, and it's your own personal yeah. energy that you're putting yeah. into yeah. to traverse the area and then yeah the wind the weather the rain yeah. everything it's it's very yeah you feel the yeah, elements tactile yeah. yeah it's like so yeah there's nowhere to hide sometimes <laughs> <laughs> For some, yeah it wasn't too bad it only rained like one or two days i think but yeah it just it's different and post sf is the worst it is so up and down hills that was the hardest other than that so as soon as you were leaving San Francisco, heading yeah. south, it got really, really hilly. It was just, it was just brutal. Yeah. But yeah. But then it, yeah, it gets better. But everyone always asks, was it like all downhill? No. It's yep. because we came before. <laughs> That's not how north and south works. <laughs> not just downhill. Like. <laughs> People actually ask that. As you head south? What? You turn to your left and you turn to left. Yeah. Um, the left leg first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very specific with the routine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So then, what did what did you go to school for? Good question. I don't. I don't know if anyone know, but I went to school for community recreation. Yeah. And yeah. what does that mean? Yeah, like the follow-up question. Like you, you got you're like a professional camp counselor. Okay. Or a uh, gym teacher. Two great questions. Okay. I want to say no to both. Because if you want to be a gym teacher, you actually have to go through anatomy, which is why I didn't want to become a gym teacher. Mm. Um, I thought I was going to be a teacher. You're okay. No worries. <laughs> I don't know. Hi. <laughs> um, so, no, not a gym teacher. No. But I did think I was going to be a teacher when I was in school. And okay. quickly pivoted to realize I hate the school system. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, but, okay, community recreation is helping build community through recreation. Oh, um, so. so what I do, well, pre-pandemic, working in events, working in running races, is how I kind of translated, I feel like, how I took my degree and applied it. Yeah. 
So I feel like I'm providing a opportunity for people to build community through running their groups because a lot of people are training with groups, a lot of people meet people out on course. There's a lot of community and you have to it brings the community together when you're swimming that race. You're literally shutting down streets, people come out of houses, they're sharing, they might not know their neighbors, all of a sudden they're like those opportunities for community to be built through the act of recreating is running, right? Which is nice. So mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean running. That's just where my passion ended up being. Yeah. So um yeah, it was an amazing program to go through. Ten out of ten recommend it. That's awesome. Twelve out of ten. Twelve yeah. out of ten. In Belling. Bellingham. 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 I don't know. <laughs> I didn't live there. <laughs> um, okay, so then actually, that's a good transition into kind of why I wanted to talk to you today. Is that like, um, you were a race director and helping on putting on these events, building community in running, and uh, that was all face to face, and um, we can't do that anymore. And uh, so what, you, let's kind of summarize, like, what did you do? Like, you, you, you saw an opportunity and you went for it. Yeah. And just in case there are race directors listening, because I expressed to you, I'm not, I'm not, I was never a race director. I was oh. a volunteer race director. Okay. Volunteer coordinator employee. But just for all the race directors to know, like, a lot yeah. of people tuning in. Keep the street cred, you know. Yeah, like, I don't want to, like, Yeah, yeah like, don't step on like, toes. Yeah, that's, like, higher up. That's yeah. promotion yeah. level. I yeah. apologize. That would be, like, intriguing. Maybe they'd be okay. down. But, yeah. Um, so yeah, so 2020 started off really strong for me. I had, I think I was supposed to be going like 30 weekends, I was supposed to be traveling around the country, um, helping produce, um, events, and then everything got taken away on March 12th. Um, and yeah, uh, so, I... I didn't know when events were coming back. Like, that has, it was, you know, back in March, it was like, okay, in August. And then August rolled around and it was January. And now it's January and no one, no one even knows if 2021, if that will happen. So, after a very odd sequence of events, I fell into having the shop that we are sitting in, which is a natural furniture um, and color. Out of my garage and going pretty well. It's pretty fun. And yeah, just be, yeah. So, an odd uh, array of events. Yeah. Um, so, let's kind of back it up a little bit. So, did you have experience with uh, power tools and painting and um, refurbishing furniture before um, this? Answer to that no. <laughs> I taught myself everything I know. I have never used a drill, maybe once before, and now I can go for a ladder. I don't think I'm really in love with the ladders, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, but yeah, I taught myself. I mean, it's not hard to keep yourself out of sand, but I bought myself a sander. I started sanding things. Um, I'm like YouTube is my best friend now. I mean, I said I learned how to make your piece sit nicely, but yeah, it's a uh, YouTube is very helpful. But no, I did not have any of these skills. I think I have the skills of like working with my hands and kind of figuring it out, but I didn't have the skills of like working on furniture uh, per se. So then 
what was the strange event that yeah. uh, led up to this or what was like for for someone who has never used power tools before in any kind of extent and and then now you're like you have your whole set of tools and we're sitting in the workshop like what what how did you go from i've never even touched it till you know, i'm now selling furniture and making yeah, yeah. um i checks and the unemployment do you think that gave you a safety net to start doing this or do you think you would have done that like without like the additional you know income like yeah yeah like, you we've with andrew yang unfortunately and whatnot like losing early but like the, the universal basic income yeah and just kind of like ponying off of that idea of like you know like that was the whole point of universal basic income is to give someone like just enough money to like, okay, I can pay my bills. I can buy groceries, whatever. And then anything above and beyond that is like your own personal creation. Yeah. Do you think you would have like kept pursuing this if, or do you think you would have like gone and tried to find like, in, like a job like right off the bat or. So I, so I freaked out when I, on March 12th and I applied for unemployment. March 13th, and they were not taking gig work at the time. And my income from 2019 was half gig and half employee work. So my unemployment is actually very low, which is kind of what pushed me. I don't, I'm trying very hard. I don't believe in nine to five jobs. And I'm not saying I'm like some millennial who's like, I just 
and live life and not work. I know that everyone needs to work to make money. I understand that, but I want to do what I essentially want to do in a way, but I want to, I want to love what I do, which is why I work events. Um, and so because I have, I have a normal amount of unemployment, I think I, I actually don't think I would have started doing this because it was a little bit lower and not did not cover all my bills. I had to do something and I refused to do a stereotypical job like a nine to five. And so it kind of pushed me into this in a really odd way. It made me, it made me think outside of the box more than I think I would have if I was comfortably living. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. 100%. I think with the normal unemployment, I would have been, I mean, what, maybe, but I do wish I started this back in when the first, when the pandemic happened. But I mean, who knew that it would, I mean, it's like, there's no way to know. Yeah, no one thought we were going to be, yeah. you know, 10 months later and still, like, yeah. no end in sight. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it is a great extra, it's, it's awesome source of income, and I love doing it, so I wish, I wish I was like, I'm still just very thankful I started when I did. But yeah, so I think, to answer the question, the lack of income is what has forced me to do it. Because um, I kind of went into survival mode in August, September time, when the extra stuff was being cut off, um, and I just couple mental breakdowns a couple therapy sets later i decided like i just fell into this i don't know so i think it did push me more than if i was more comfortable living yeah and then so then from what i'm understanding it seems like pieces were of furniture were coming to you so it's not like you were you searching out like oh i want to fix up a coffee table or like because I think I recall when we talked that you were, you know, bumming up and down alleys trying to find, you know, furniture that was in need of some TLC. Yeah. So, like, when you're sifting and sorting through your business partner's furniture or, like, you know, going up and down the alleys, like, what kind of piece of furniture, like, you're like, ooh, this will be a good one. Because it was such one, it turned me my feelings off. That's another thing about the shop. 
smaller stuff will be going to the landfill, the top cliff. So it's really fun to like repurpose things and it goes in people's houses and it's end up in the landfill. Um, and so it's buying new. Um, so even with that piece I've been sitting on for a while, it doesn't sell. I'll figure out something to do with it because I feel like it's it's too nice to go into the landfill. So what properties make like a piece of furniture that you're trying yeah. to refurbish too nice? To go in the landfill? Like, yeah, like yeah. too nice to go to the trash, go to landfill. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like what 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 attracts you about that piece that it's like no, we need to salvage that. Because I like I know what I ask for every yeah, single yeah, time, yeah. but um, it it had more. You can just tell it has more life to it. Like there's, it's not ready. I know it sounds weird, but it's like it's not ready to be. It's it can end up in a home and serve someone for many years to come. When there was like this table that was in, I was deciding whether or not to take it. It was it was just too run down. It was like it's just even if I would have to like basically put it's also like how much work do I want to put into it? Is it worth my time for how much it will sell? I mean that's another thing to think about. But there are some pieces if it's just like there's just there's it's gonna be way too much work to salvage that and it's just not gonna sell for much, so I'll let it go. But it's something like this where it needs to find the right home. This is like a very, this is like an old person who will take this. But I think it will last for many more years. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because whenever I've asked for stuff from you, it's always, is it solid wood? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, like, yeah. Because like, you go to Ikea, and that's why like, I hate, I like upcycling. I like reusing furniture and stuff like that. Because like, for whatever reason in San Diego, from my experience, um, is that it's easier and more affordable to buy like an antique that needs a little bit of work than it is to go buy some Ikea particle board like with plastic on top of it and it's going to fall apart in two months anyways yeah. or you accidentally drop it and it shatters into a million pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say real wood helps because like the piece I'm working on over there is definitely real wood. Um, I think the piece I was talking about earlier that was not salvageable is was not real wood. So that definitely definitely is um, Yeah, that taking some stuff. So have you like looked at your like hourly rate? Like okay, so like it, when I sell said piece, like I put three hours into it, so I need to make at least you know fifty dollars profit to cover my time of putting effort into this. Like, have you broken it down to like an hourly rate in your head, or is it just like right now you're just like mm, I think this will be enough of a margin kind of thing? Where are you at with that? I have for like like the blanket ladders. Mm -hmm. Because I was making them from scratch, yes, I was like, okay, how, let's see how many hours will it take me to make it, how much can I sell it for, is it worth my time? The answer is yes, if you get the wood cut correctly for you, no, if someone screws you over at Home Depot and cuts the things incorrectly and you just start fighting with the wood. But, um, when... I'm out, hold on. Yeah. Do you have a saw? No, I don't have a saw. That's one thing I don't have because I haven't decided if I'm going to build with wood or if I'm just going to stick to furniture. But I, I think if you look at it also that way, um, my friend Ian slash he's my intern and he's our COO, so he oversees. Yeah, we have we have staff here, so um, nice. Yeah. Nice. We're expanding quickly then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. I don't pay him. He's, a, he's, he's an intern. Intern and COO. Well, yeah. He just, yeah. He decided he's an apprentice. Yeah. He decided to take on the COO. Okay. So that was his choice, you know. All right. Um, Titles are important. Well, it's very important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so him and I were talking, and he's, he's really like, smart and good and stuff, but he was saying, um, and he had a point, he's like, I think getting free furniture is where you're going to make the most money. Because compared to making it, so if you look at that timeline, so we eliminate me making stuff, so I'm going to look at furniture. When I'm pricing things out, I will, before I start working on them, I will sometimes look to see what is the going rate. Is it worth my time working on it? Again. And then, two, so I can answer your question a long way. No, I have not yet done the hours thing for it. It's more if I'm building something with it. So I think the point of letters is where that. Mm -hmm. Like, and then the pieces are like, what's the market value for it? And, and for the most part, because I'm doing a lot of stuff for free and a lot of like, we donated paint the other day, and other people have donated um, supplies. My product, like my overhead, my, yeah, is really low, like compared to what your normal business might be, which is like, I'm not proud of. <laughs> and that's. A phenomenal place to be a startup and yeah. you know yeah. ha having little to no support and it's yeah. all you're learning everything so it's trial and error yeah, yeah. Um, what like was it just the money was tight that motivated you to get into it or what was the point turning point? like are you really enjoying what you're doing now like what what do you think it was to go from like I sold one piece that was kind of fun to like three months, four months later you're doing still it. doing it and you know like looking into expanding and how to increase your margins like? Yeah. Um, I think if I was still in my 2019 life, pre 2020, you know, there's no way I would have fallen into this. I think it's because everything you know that I do and how I made money before it was taken away. Um, yes, I still love it. I enjoy being down here. I love working on my hands. And I love working on the computer when I'm lifting things and working with, pe like, working with people in terms of like uh, selling it. So it like fits that category. I mean, ultimately, yeah, when I was, I had to make money somehow. And so this is how I decided to do it. This is how I, I found an avenue to, to do that. But I'm really glad I did, and I want to keep doing it. So if I, if events were to start back up tomorrow, I would still want to have the shop as a part-time publisher, like doing this during the week and working on the weekend. What about this is like enticing to you? It is I'm working with my hands, which I enjoy a lot, which is why one of the reasons why I like events. Um, again, working with people a little bit, but not too much. You know, not always doing. And I would say I'm teaching myself a lot right now, and so mentally being challenged is like the fun part too. Because I'm right now I'm not getting that anywhere else in terms of work where you normally get it, and so this has been my challenge, I guess. But um, have you like where are you finding? So YouTube is your best friend. Yeah. Are there any other sources of information, or have you like reached out to? an air quote mentor or anything like that to kind of like you know, learn more things or no, good question. I have not. 
I followed you on Instagram. So Pinterest? No, I have not gone on Pinterest. I've not been to the Big Trump. He wants that. I know the platform. Like, I don't know. Y'all do like the Pinterest fails. Like, I just feel like <laughs> <laughs> I would be on there somehow. <laughs> that, I don't know. I feel like. I think YouTube is like better at like seeing it. Maybe because I'm a visual learner. So like seeing someone do it, I'm like, oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. Or some, you know, watching smaller, on smaller websites. But, um, but yeah, no, no mentor. I kind of just like, and sometimes I just do something and then later research it. I'm like, oh, okay, I should have done that. But, um, yeah, so do you know any mentors? We're kind of going along the same lines of, I don't know any mentors, but um, are you following fashion trends now? Are you like getting into like, I don't know, Furniture Digest? I don't even know if that exists, but it sounded real fancy and official. Um. ahead have you thought about this like have you like it's 2021 yeah. we're you know we made it through the first week a little rough but you know hey we're we're here into the second week yeah. um i mean have you created a a business plan have you created like goals or like how many units or pieces or like what what stage of of this are we in right now <laughs> he, yeah, he's got, he's working on it. Um, I have definitely decided that I want to keep doing it. And what that looks like, I still don't know. I don't know how big I want to get in terms of like, I know people who do this at like storage units will definitely work on. Um, I, with starting with the furniture company next door, um, now I'm just trying to balance, like, I'm trying to see what does that look like as well, like, with food and cold, because I still really want to work on furniture, but I don't know yet what the future looks like for a shop, I just know it will be around for a while, but, I mean, I really like it, and I just love saying I shop, I don't know, Yeah, your rental having a oversized, uh, it's yeah. a what two car tandem garage yeah. so you have like a decent amount of storage space and then also workshop space with you know 
electricity and all the necessities to work on things. Yeah. So lucky I have it. I mean, I mean, I have it when we have the shop. Yeah, the sand and brush, everything, the accessibility is right here. My car block fits up in my upstairs, and I was like, I'm going to steal something. Um, no, I feel very lucky. For me, when it comes to work, or like, it took me a while when I was a contractor to figure out, like, what are my goals? Or like, what does it look like? It was kind of like taking on everything at once and then seeing what I like. As a contractor, and then I started to narrow in my goals. I had like eight goals or twenty goals, but um, that's not why we're here. So I think right now I'm in the phase of still taking on a lot of stuff, and then just to see what I like and don't like, and what is my strong suit, and what um, what yeah, strong suit brings me the most joy, and what it looks like in the future, and then I can narrow in my goals. Right now I'm just like in the bring it on phase. Everything and anything, I'll take it on. Okay. <laughs> Are you gonna refurbish these black chairs or? I'm not refurbish. I just my friend found them in the alleyway, and I'm like, pick them up. I don't know. They're not better condition. Cheap looking chairs. It's true. It's very, very true. No, I, I see them for kids in like the pod learning that someone's house right now for LP. Mm. Yeah, the plastic that they're involved in. Mm-hmm. They're kind of yeah. kid friendly. So when you're speaking of that and the inspiration, so like you see an object, let's say in the alley or wherever, you know, like in from the area, like you're already envisioning the end um, when you pick it out. Are you seeing the end? Are you just looking at it and going like that looks like it's in good shape that I could do something with? Oh, cool. I mean that Definitely know it's going to be harder marks to sell. Definitely don't think it should go into the landfill. Know that it's probably going to be like an older person. It's just like the, you kind of have to see the trend. Um, I did flip one thing to be like a chalkboard table. And I was, I was hoping it would go to like a kid that's, you know, at home learning right now. Um, it took a lot of sell, but it did. And it did go to some kids who were at home learning. Um, so yeah, sometimes I do have hopes for where they'll end up. of furniture showed up like what would it be and what would be the end goal for it So then in your process, what is it about that? Like, so do you, because there's like refurbishing and then there's like redesigning. Uh, again, I'm not a yeah. furniture expert over here, but like in my mind, refurbishing is like taking a end table that is like tarnished and damaged and like you sand it down to bare wood again and you like 
put the lacquer back on it and you bring it back to what it would have looked like it when it was brand new yeah is like do we like that aspect of it of like actually restoration or are we looking at reimagination as more of like some the direction you want to be going i kind of like the latter reimagination yeah um because now i have more tangible from and i walk me through like your process of all right so you got a coffee table it's banged up but like structurally pretty sound like what's what's kind of the steps um usually it sits in the shop for a minimum of a couple of days before i think about it i'm like take on something that i just wait because i want the idea to come to me i will do i have to bring that up in conversation with somebody like what do you think about doing this um, or a couple people and see what they say and get some feedback and then kind of run with it. But yeah, then it's like probably next step is handing and then the, you know, the timer or whatever, whatever I'm going to ask or do to it or if I'm painting it. Um, but then go from there. But yeah, I like to, like the, the gold on that coffee table behind you was my roommate's idea. Yeah. So that, uh, and I was like, that's a great idea. And that was my idea to add up the top. And I was like, it is fun to take ideas from a couple of people or one person and run with it and then add my own flavor to it. And then are you looking to YouTube to find like the technique on how to like do the particular style that you're going after or like, are you just winging it and seeing what happens? Usually wing it. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, I YouTube because I feel like, like that paint that I got from you guys, like, I don't know what feel I got um, but I might YouTube, like, what is the best feeler to go with this type of paint? And then, see, to that stuff, I don't know as much. Like, I'm still learning about the quality of my product, and it's fascinating how much I can do. <laughs> There's a lot of options. But, um, you don't want to do those in high school, which is great. Um, menstruation is bad. I'm pretty sure you don't want to do brushes like pair brushes like what like yeah. are you researching that or do you just kind of find whatever you have around you and, and see what happens <laughs> what do you think it is 
those people you meet. And that, that's why I wanted to kind of like start this series was I've talked to a lot of people and a, a good number of people, not everybody, but, you know, like, well, they've just done nothing with their time. And so what do you think it is that like that propelled you to you, to make a shop, to, to learn how to sell these things, to learn how to paint, to learn how to, you know, fix all these things? Like, What do you think it is that like pushed you to like make this leap into starting your own venture? Um, probably my chronic fear that I would be homeless, even though it will never happen. I just like this fear. No, I am, I one was very bored. I was getting bored. Um, in the month of, after July, I did the bike fundraiser. Um, and that takes a lot of my time in July, and my bike is worth it. Um, I started to realize I had way too much time on my hands. Because before that, it was like, this book, I mean, no, it was like events I think that, I don't know, it was like, you know, hold out, but then it was like, they're slipping away. Um, so yeah, I think way too much time on my hands. And then also, again, just survival at that point, because I, I'm determined not to do a boring job of not, I hate what I do. Um, and so with those combined, it fuels the fire to start a shop. Um, and who knows, again, if I had a full amount of unemployment, would I have a shop? I don't know. I might have gotten bored and maybe fell off a little bit. Would I have expanded this much? Probably not. Probably not. Like, I, mean, I think it was really, that was a push I needed, but then really, like, thankful for that push. Um, and happy to think, I spend a lot of time that right now. I mean, I realized, like, if I wasn't doing this, I don't know what I would be doing. Not thirsting that whole day because it's cold now. <laughs> 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 That's what it is. The summer is just warm, but... Yeah, and unfortunately, we started surfing too late. We'll never make money doing that. Yeah, so exactly. that'll forever be a hobby, <laughs> never a profession. I really I've really put a lot of stickers on my board, try to get that street cred up, but.
does that imagining that excite you or make you nervous or where does what is what is imagining the shop being your primary income make you feel? I always I feel like a lot of people who start me think I have like the imposter syndrome thing and like, oh no, it's just
So when you ask me a question, are you asking it like? It's supposed to be, don't think about it too much, mm. slash, like, first thing that pops into your head. What will you do to next achieve the state of happiness? Well, to answer your question from in a roundabout way, I feel like every day, with all that's going on, we all have to focus our energy more on what brings us happiness. I feel like it's really easier to find it more compared to just like maybe being there. Like, like in our projects, you know, you used to like go and it was just really easy to receive happiness in it, but now we have to like create, well, create more of those uh, moments in a safe way. So I feel like every day you try to focus on what's going to bring me happiness. So it is working down here in the shop, it's seeing my friends at a social distance, if we're running or pushing outside. Um, and it's, and it's like, you know, continuing to like work out the best way I can with my body loss and just breaking down. But, um, so that's how, I don't know if it's like a next move right now. That's how I kind of look at it right now in the state of the pandemic. Just take it day by day. Instead of like big moves. Because we don't know what's going to happen. You know, who knows in a month or whatever. Um, so that's what I do. Where do you want to pursue growth in your life? Okay, so I thought about this one. I don't know if it has to do with the shop. Okay, so I think I am ready to start dating again. It's been a while. When I've done that, I feel like it's all time. Yeah, the whole six feet thing is kind of real easy. Yeah, 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 and I refuse online. So, mm.
I was, um, in a good way. It, I'm so thankful I did this. I'm so thankful that it was, there were a couple of downs to get me to the high, to the high point. And I'm, uh, you just want to go, but it was, it hasn't been easy the whole time to start this thing. Um, and, but it's worth it. And I'm really glad I did it. And I encourage people who are thinking about trying something new to do it, even though it's terrifying. Um, it's, you never know what opportunities it's going to bring you, who you're going to meet, how many podcasts are going to reach out to you. I mean, it's just endless. I mean, I'm going to have to hire like a like public speaker. I mean, I hear you have an intern. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, where where can people find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram. It's called the period shop period T and shop is spelled S H O P E D because it equals like more fancy material mm. coming out of your shop. Design essentially. So. Perfect. Of course, it was a great conversation, and I look forward to you know two years from now or more and see where we're at, where the shop is at. Your publicist and make sure it fits in with your boyfriend's schedule. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you're bringing in the energy. Yeah, yeah. We should keep. Oh, I'm. Oh, I'm. <laughs> okay, so. So how did you, so you found a mentor through reaching out to people in your network Mm -hmm. and like what was, kind of thinking of it through like giving advice to another small business owner who would be, let's say, listening to this is like, what what did they do from like where you were to like getting you on track? What was the first couple of things that they did for you? The first thing was a budget worksheet that was done um, for me, or I did it myself actually. Um, And so it just, it really just, it broke down like your everyday budget. Um, And I had never done anything like that before because I was like, whatever, I don't need to. And it was really interesting doing that budget because Yika spends a lot on going out. (laughs) (laughs) A lot on going out. And I was like, doesn't seem right (laughs) and she was like well you put that number down so and I'm like well that's the number I came up with but that doesn't seem right um and it it was interesting because I had to explain like why why and I I realized it was because that's the lifestyle I had been living when I was working in corporate. I had a corporate card. Part of my job was to entertain and to be out and to take people. And it was always me, right? Because I get it, my personality. <laughs> so it was always me that was going out and doing this. And my coworkers would be like, hey, there's this little networking. And I'm like, I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm swiping the cards all over. And so it was just a habit, you know, it was just a habit that I had that I would just throw cards down. Sweet, corporate card. Even though I didn't say corporate anymore, (laughs) you know. Um, So it was really, uh, she was like, you just need to retrain and relearn um, that you don't have a corporate card and you can't be spending these crazy amounts on just going out and like entertaining people. So I'm like, okay. So I started putting into practice what what uh, she was saying to me, and uh, I started seeing more and more money in my account. And I was like, "Oh, that's weird. How did that?" Happen? And then the pandemic hit, and I was like, "Oh, look, <laughs> go 
don't go out and you spend well, you we save can't money. Go out anyways. That's really interesting <laughs> how that works. <laughs> so yeah, so it was really that budget sheet that was like my first what I had to do to kind of understand um, where my finances were going. So once again, did I say I blame my parents? Because. <laughs> I'd like them to hear this <laughs> so they know it's their Would fault. you like to go into that a little more? Why do you blame your parents? Because they never taught me about money. Um, I was lucky. I, I grew up pretty well off. Um, and uh, I grew up for the most part in Africa, so the continent. And so you live in different African countries. And it's typically, you know, money goes a long way in those countries. And you don't really have to worry about it. Um, and you know african parents if they have it they'll give it to you they don't ask questions like it's just like take it <laughs> at least my dad was like take it maybe i was spoiled hmm. um <laughs> another conversation on another, another day yeah. <laughs> um so yeah so it was just it was never anything that i had to worry about or think about and i i, I i guess i just took it into adult life without even realizing it yeah. Yeah. Well, also going from someone else is paying your bills, paying the the W two, like you get a set salary, maybe bonus commission, all that kind of yes. good stuff. To like now, you Yinka are creating your business, your business plan, your business model, your budget, your P and L statement, like yeah. And you know <laughs> now you're doing marketing. Now you're doing and you're you're now I am for every department. <clears throat> yeah. In a company. Yeah. 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 So you. Where, where have you been finding the most joy since like starting? Also, we haven't even said, what's your company called? It's important. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, it's called Triple Pocket Events. And so what, uh, since starting Triple Pocket Events, um, what has been like your favorite thing? What have you been really like enjoying and leaning into? My clients. I always, but I've always loved like my clients, always loved my clients. Um, but now I, I, I feel like I get to nurture them a little bit more because it's, it's me, you know, like if I want to cuss in front of my client, I can because it's my company and they're cussing in front of me, <laughs> you know, but I get to have these individual relationships with every single one of my clients. And I really, really enjoy that. And I think I had said that, you know, I really choose my clients and I, and I really, really do. I choose my clients because in my head, I am spending a good chunk of my time with you. Um, you know, even a, a simple thing as a one hour webinar takes weeks to plan out months sometimes you know depending on how complicated it is so those are weeks and months that i am in front of you and you are in front of me and we are just like in each other's world especially now because you come into my house when i turn my computer on <laughs> you know you, quite literally <laughs> you literally yeah. um and so because of because it's it's framed in that way um I really love the little mini relationships I built. And then they're not even mini now because I find like a lot of my clients, I've had them for a year at least, you know, and they, they still, they're going to use me and they keep using me and they want to do more and more and more events. And so it's that relationship building that you just continue to take with you. I love that. So do you have a, I know you said that they're mostly coming from referrals, but do you have like, 
have you turned down anybody yet? I like, have. do you have, okay. Do you have like a criteria of like how to pick your next client? Um, <laughs> criteria does not, don't, don't use my criteria. No, it's honestly like the vibe that I get. If that initial meeting, if our personalities don't gel, um, or they're, or I just get some like innate, like, ooh, ooh okay. Um, I'm a very calm, collected person um i don't stress out and i don't like to get stressed and so if i have a conversation an initial conversation with someone and i just and maybe this is practice but i feel like i'm at the point where i can i can tell how a client will be from those initial questions that i ask and if i just feel like ooh, you're maybe a little high strong or a little stressed out already this we are not gonna gel well because some people who are really um high strong need another high strong person to like just gel with them um and i've i found that sometimes because i'm so cool and collected people are like what you're not doing your job and then it's micromanagement and i'm like i have all my ducks in a row i'm just talking like this because i don't need to (laughs) stress myself (laughs) out or you or anyone else here you know um so Yes, I have turned down clients and it's it's usually clients that I just feel like either I might be too much for them or they just need someone with a completely different personality and that's okay. So have you taken many personality tests or like have you kind of like broken it down analytically at all or, like what, or is it just like what my personality is or what their personality is? both but mainly like yourself to then kind of like like so I've taken personality tests and then like have studied the archetypes of the personality so that when I'm in front of clientele like and I I can within a few moments understand like what kind of communication style they need what kind of you know like do they need a lot of hand holding do they like so have you like gone about that or are we still like gut instinct right now i've i've taken personality tests for myself um and so i know how i communicate and how i deal with my clients um i have you taken the tony robbins disc no profile? okay because like that one breaks it's it's in my mind i like it because it's simple it's just four letters okay instead of like the enij 1637-4 uh-huh. uh-huh. you're like i don't know what that means <laughs> there's too many variables <laughs> keep no, it simple <laughs> but i will go home and take this test no <clears throat> no well so i'm i'm thinking now on what i i said and i'm mm-hmm. wondering if i should backtrack a little bit i don't think i should though but um it's not so much um the way a client either communicates with me um it's i keep thinking of this one client that i think i have this one client we'll call call him him bob because perfect i was just gonna say literally like three letters too (laughs) bob and um he is I love Bob like he it, but he's uh, very nervous and he knows he's nervous he's the type of person um, if I'm doing an event he needs to meet every single person every entertainer every we do try we do run-throughs before we even like book them mm-hmm. but 
that's Bob. And I know that about Bob will email me and then text me and say, I sent you an email just so you know. And I will text him back and be like, I saw the email because I have my phone in front of me. I will, you know, um, and he's very different from all of my clients. And I still really enjoy working with him because his, his personality, um, the way he just, we communicate is just really well. And I've gotten to learn how he communicates and I mimic it. And I tend to mimic a lot of my clients a lot. Um, and I don't think it's a bad thing to mimic clients. Um, I, I actually really enjoy it because you get to study them and then replicate, <laughs> you know? Um, but there's just, I think there's just some people you just don't naturally gel with. Mm -hmm. And those are the type of clients that I'll be like, ah, I don't, mm, nope. right from the gate. Nope, don't feel good. No. <laughs> Have Moving you heard on. of uh, NLP? <laughs> Neuro Linguistic Patterning? Uh -uh. So it's everything of what you just explained, just like a little bit more like scientific, like it, it's, like what you just explained is NLP and like profiling. And so um, the, another book you could read is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. He was an Never FBI. Never Split the Difference? Yep, okay. Text you later. Okay. Um, he was an FBI hostage negotiator for 30 years. Now he teaches corporate sales and negotiations for a living. But I mean, it's like it's hostage. Like losing means someone dies. Mm -hmm. So you either win or someone dies, <laughs> like, so it's the ultimate stakes. But um, it's it, it, so when you're matching someone, you're mirroring matching. And so if you ever like say call someone on the phone, you can imitate their accent and they won't even know it. Because we, everybody likes to communicate with someone like themselves. They, yeah. You know, we, we're very tribal creatures. Mm -hmm. And so we, we gather and naturally clump together with people who are like-minded, like attitude, you know, like, ooh, you're like me, birds of feather flock to get, fly yeah. together, like, let's go forward kind of thing. And so mirroring and matching them will actually make, calm them down and make them into a, a decision maker, you know, okay. if, if, so like the Tony Robbins disc profiling is D-I-S-C, driver, influencer, I forget what the S is, but essentially it's like, think of like your nurses, your like your, your super motherly personalities and C is like the en uh, the engineers, the accountants, like Bob, data, email, put bullet points, 16 references, yeah. right? <laughs> so my guess is, is Bob is like a high S, C, because he's very emotional, doesn't like change, mm -hmm. likes to take things slow, but then is super, super detail oriented. So in order to make Bob feel comfortable, you can't rush anything with him. You can't throw something on him. And if he wants information, you need to give him like a giant spreadsheet, yep. tons of information, and then call him tomorrow. Yep. Right? <laughs> yep. And so that's why like I find it so interesting is studying like the disc profile or any of these profile ones. Like I said, I like that one just because it's four letters and it's easy and it's mm -hmm. very broad, mm -hmm. even though every human being is extremely nuanced. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, you're fucking great. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, but way. how can you compete? I'm sorry. That's yeah. Fucking yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, no, no. Don't apologize. Thank you. I mean, right. yeah. Right. No, women. I, I, um. I heck know. yeah. Women's fucking goddess. We need to encourage. Thank you. Acknowledge. <laughs> Acknowledge. There we go. 
<laughs> Thank you. Enjoy your day. <laughs> Be blessed. It's awesome. That too. Yeah. Um, that was amazing. That was great. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> so you don't edit? I don't no, know. this is going to be real interesting when people get to this point. They'd be like, what the? I mean, hopefully they heard all of that. Um, Yinka just got complimented uh, a lot uh, more aggressively than I did in a very positive aggressive way. Um, but uh, yeah, hard side note. Pivot over that one. <clears throat> um, yeah, personalities. <laughs> and how to interact with people yeah, properly. Yeah. Um, mirror them. <laughs> mirror and match. Tonal. Yeah, it, it, it gets very interesting because uh, the next question I have, which I'm curious, is have you had the opportunity where the project is like awesome? The pay is amazing, but like the person who's heading it is like complete opposite yep. of who you are. Have you had that opportunity yet? <laughs> yes, actually, um, about a couple of months ago in a virtual space, mm -hmm. and it it was very challenging. Um, only because I was trying to mirror my client, but it just that was one of the. <laughs> That was a challenge. I could not. I could not. We were so different. We were so different. Well, here's the thing. We weren't actually really that different. We just handled stress differently. Mm. And I did not realize because we're very similar personalities from just the outer personalities, I did not know nor did I realize how this person deals with stress. I figured same personalities must be the same way. Nope. <laughs> that was incorrect. Um, so, yes. So, that one was very challenging because my brain could not understand why they were not dealing with the stress the same way that I was dealing with the stress. Just could, could, not, could not understand it. Um, so, I was trying to deal with that and then the actual stress of the event and everything that surrounded it um and honestly the the way I dealt with it is I just kept I just trucked on um I didn't sleep a lot that week it was four the event was four days um I had a roommate at the time and we sat down and like plugged it in because she would go to bed she was working the same event I mm. just had a project management role for it mm. um and I'd be up at and then she would wake up in the morning and I'd already be up. And she was like, something's not right here. Um, <laughs> but I, I this really just, just plug through because, and I plug through because this person was focusing so much on how stressful everything was that nothing was actually being, getting done. And we needed to put on an event. So I just <laughs> let her yeah. do the stressing and I just kept trucking on, just plugging away and doing what I had to do to get it done. <laughs> but yeah, I don't recommend that. Which part? Trucking on and keep pushing through? All of it. Working with someone who is... <laughs> all of it. I don't recommend all of, any of it. Any of it. Um, but you know, it was 30,000 people and it was on Zoom. So yeah. That's a lot of people That's on Zoom. That's a lot of people on Zoom. So, Didn't even know you could have that many people on Zoom. Yeah, well, if Zoom is your sponsor, you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. Learned yeah. a lot about Zoom that week, two weeks. <laughs> yeah. So. 
That's cool. So like there's different levels of access. Of I didn't like, even realize Zoom had different, le- like of course like the paid subscription, right? But yeah. their enterprise level yeah. is like, Like wow. here we can host a there are, there international are, XYZ. Yeah. yeah, okay. And there's a lot of things you could do on it that I didn't, even I, someone who uses Zoom all the time and have done events on Zoom, I didn't even realize half of the stuff you could even do i mean but i was on the call with them at like four in the morning trying mm-hmm. to get them to release features and all that kind of good stuff and they did so yeah that's awesome so how did zoom become a sponsor of your uh company? they uh so the come i don't know if i can say but anyways it's a very large university mm-hmm. um here in the states and uh, it was their annual conference that they have and it's a just very 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 large very very big very very big deal mm-hmm. um colin powell was a keynote speaker um who else bill nye the science guy i was super excited <laughs> he, was a, he was a keynote speaker yeah. so it's kind of that that caliber mm-hmm. um of an event so zoom was one of their sponsors for it wonderful and then yeah considering you didn't say the university and all that kind of good stuff like it was it was just another referral i mean like uh Uh, this one was through the network of just uh event planners and freelancers Mm -hmm. that i belong to um it was one of those where they needed a ton of staff yeah um in all all sorts of different roles and they it was kind of like do you know someone oh i know three people that have worked virtual events yeah. okay like bring them all it was really one of those situations okay. it was like all hands on bring door. it all in mm-hmm. yeah how many of those people have you like stayed in contact with and so a good well a good number of them were friends of mine already um in the live event space that once i got really comfortable with virtuals i started bringing on some of the people that i used to work with in live events to help me out Um, And then I would teach them and train them on the platform. Uh, And so when anyone asked me to be a part of a virtual event and we needed more staffing, I reached out to those people um, always to to bring them in with me. Um, They get to learn about a different platform and how to run the event. And then I'm usually either like a project manager or a lead. And because we already have that relationship, they can just call me and ask me a question or I'll do like a side little training session with them on yeah. a Saturday or whatever to just get them up to speed. So. so what direction do you see Triple Pocket going? <laughs> well, um, I see it getting bigger. I, I really want to actually just brought on a part-time person to help me out um, because I want to grow and I need someone that's can do a little bit more of the admin things while I like put myself out there and um, in front of people. Uh, so I definitely want it to grow. Um, I I really want to tap the hybrid market, hybrid events. I feel like it'd be really good. It's a really good market for me. So is that like partial in person, partial? Okay. Correct. Yeah, so I feel sure. um, now that I have dabbled in the virtual and I'm really good in the live events <laughs> um, I would really love for Triple Pocket to be very much so a hybrid event um, company that yeah. you can go to more fun for all of us <laughs> yeah um, I would also like to own a venue space at a at, at, 
that's like five year goals is to own a venue space like a commercial warehouse or like what, uh, what are like, we talking about yeah, yeah, like a event venue space um something very non-traditional um is what i'm looking for but a space where you can come and host your events so if you were to like paint a picture of like your dream event space it would be a bunch of old railroad cars that have been lined up but on an old actual old track with a lot of uh, grassy space behind it so we can build it all out that's cool yeah and what would you do with said railroad cars would each railroad car be a different event or like what um it, what, well what's the uh, vision? each railroad well each not each railroad uh car but sections of it would be different would be themed differently um but the but however it's it's themed it would still make sense because i want it to be a way where i could separate it if someone wanted to do <clears throat> a specific um, type of event it could be separated into chunks but if someone wanted to rent out however many cars I had um, they could do that and it would make sense it wouldn't be like oh I'm in a yellow room and then a, a pink room and then a, it would like visually make sense but it would still be themed that's awesome if anybody steals mine <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the funny thing that I've learned in this world is you don't have to worry about I someone stealing anything because like <laughs> so many people and that's like why I want to talk to people like yourself is so many people don't execute. So many people have the dream or the vision or, you know, like maybe, yeah, January, February, someone also saw that there was a space of the world's going digital, but they're like, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. And that's where it stops. Yeah. <laughs> So one, I wouldn't worry about that because most people don't execute. That's true. <laughs> Two, what do you think it was um, either about yourself, your drive, that like you saw this opportunity and actually ran with it? I think I've always been very ambitious just in general. Um and because I've worked for people, other people for so long, I've always just, I've always given it my all. Like I'm a, I'm a one, I'm a 100 percenter, <laughs> 150 percenter. I always give it my all. Um, but this was the first time that this was mine. You know, if I decided to not wake up and go to a client meeting, that's, that's on me. That's my, it's affecting me directly. Um, and because this is mine, I had it in my head that I wasn't going to fail. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know like what in my brain works like that, but it was just in my head. It wasn't, it, if I was going to go through this journey, I wasn't going to fail at it. And not necessarily, and I don't consider failure like my business going under or anything like that. I just... To me, failure would be if I didn't give it my all, if I just half-assed it, if I kind of took some clients, kind of did some meetings, kind of, kind of, kind of, that's failure to me. But I wake up in the morning, if, you know, some of my clients are in, on the East Coast, so that means they're like, can we get at 8, 6, uh, 9 a.m., 8 a.m., and I'm like, sweet, 6 a.m., <laughs> 5 a.m., like, all right. Remember how I'm in California? <laughs> Uh, no okay cool you know but I get up and I get ready and I do what I have to do because I number one freaking love it so much and number two it's it's mine 
do you think there's a certain level of like immigrant mentality of like because like when wh- how old were you when you came to the states see i bounced back and forth so i was eight and a half and we moved to minnesota and then um we i was there till about i was 13 and then we kind of went back and forth from africa mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. like u.s u.s okay yeah so so do you feel like an immigrant at all then like what's what's kind of like your <laughs> mindset because like i i i, I, I I'm born and raised in the Midwest, but like I've been very fortunate where I've traveled internationally and lived abroad for years. And and so like at such a young age, I mean, like where, because like you're eight years old to 13. I mean, that's a very pivotal, Mm -hmm. pivotal, that's the word, uh, time frame. I mean, that's middle school, that's Mm -hmm. hormones, that's puberty, that's like first set of like real good friends, like all that kind of good stuff. Like, and you're in the States for that. And so. Um, So there is a term for people like us. They're called third culture kids. Or called, yeah, third culture kids, third culture children, adults. Um, And it's, it's people like me that ha- that grew up everywhere um, and really don't identify as one uh, culture, um, Nation, ethnicity, state, of, you know, yeah. like, yes, my ethnicity is my ethnicity, but um, as far as my culture or what I consider myself. And for the longest time, I had a really hard time when people would ask me where I was from. Like, I would say, you got a minute? And people would be like, ha, 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 ha. And I, no, okay, seriously. and then I'd go through it, and they're yeah. like, "Oh, wow, all right, you were correct." And I'm yeah. like, "Yeah." And so it was always that. Where are you from? I'm like, "Okay, well, when I was eight, <laughs> yeah. How much do I care about telling this person in front of me? Yeah, I um, I, I dated a girl who her parents were school teachers, but taught on military bases all over the world. So she was born in Germany and like was over here, but she would literally make the calculated decision in her head and be like, I'm from Arizona. I used to do that. Like, like <laughs> if I did that too. Like, if I was yeah. like, eh, or in passing, if I'm yeah. at the grocery store, or San Diego, okay, just keep going, <laughs> yeah. you know? Because um, even when I say Sierra Leone, people are like, what? Wait, what? And then it's a whole thing, and I'm like, oh, I gotta there go. There are so many people with horrible <laughs> geography in this world. Like, yeah, so you're like, where? I don't under... Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um... So yeah, so I so culturally, I mean, I I consider myself a child of the world. Um, honestly, like just because I really am, you know, I can't I I can't me as Inca as an adult cannot claim one specific culture as my, of my own. Because even if I was like, oh, my parents are Sierra Leonean, I'm Sierra Leonean, my passport from Sierra Leone, I live there for eight years yeah at this point it is the shortest amount of time i've lived in a place, in a place. Where, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah just happened to be so, born there exactly yeah so okay yeah. i don't culture world I'm, I'm from the world the earth yeah human human yeah yeah human. you know all of us <laughs> that's awesome I feel like we could go down a massive long <laughs> rabbit trail of all of that and like maybe at another time, but uh, let's stick to business <laughs> and uh, another time we'll, okay. we'll have okay. that conversation. Um, so the dream is railroad cars or at least owning a unique event space. A unique You're event growing. space. Um, I would love to um, tap that, you know, 
link that somehow um, with an event collective. Um, I the pandemic has been really interesting <laughs> because it's given it, it's mm, it's allowed or given me a voice that I didn't realize I had. Um, I I mean I'm passionate about events and I love it. Yeah, it's the industry. Blah 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 blah. But with so many of my peers, my friends, people I know in this industry, just like down and out and not having anyone fight for them, that's become my new passion. (laughs) Like the events industry has been decimated and like there's so many people out of work there and, and there's no one talking about it. And so well, I've, I have joined people that are now talking about it. Um, but because of that, I just realized um, how much support, how not a lot of support and resources is available to people who work in this industry. Um, and I'm more so talking about not the event planners or the people that own their own companies. I'm more so focused on the contractors and you know I I think about often the guys like the dudes my my boys and they would be setting up my tent and all the shitty things that I don't want to do that makes an event really great and come together and those people have like nothing right now and they're all in unemployment and all on you know and so that weighs on me a lot um so figuring out how to combat that and how to just provide those resources so I'm so I'm starting to think of a collective of some way of just vendors people that work in the industry that we can support each other and refer each other I also want to do a foundation I don't know I have big dreams (laughs) I (laughs) I feel like if I'm in a position where I could have a voice for those that don't or help in some way I should and I cannot not it yeah. yeah so I have two questions okay. and then we can kind of wrap it up a little bit um, first one is is like does triple pockets have like a like a manifesto a what what's it called I'm I terrible have a list at marketing. Of core values core values there we go <laughs> and then well let's answer that one first yes <laughs> I do I have a list of core values and before I even had a name for the company I had my core values first well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I think that's how it should go, but yeah, I had <laughs> it. Simon Senex, start and with why. Yeah, I just yeah, my core values are there. Uh, they're very aligned with my personal core values. Actually, they're exactly aligned. <laughs> <laughs> <was> Weird. <laughs> how you can be so passionate yeah, and energetic I mean, about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, and I I love, and I put it on everywhere. It's like everywhere. It's on my proposals. It's everywhere. Yeah. Um, just because I think it's important, you know. I mean, I have like one of the core values is to give back, and all, that's all it says is like give back. <laughs> that's it. Um, and it just and I think what the next sentence is like give back to the community and your neighbors that support you. Um, and to me, that's very important. And so. Um, as I look towards the year, I reserve a certain number of my personal 
time that I give back to nonprofits. So I will do events for free, plan it all out for them for free. Or I work with San Diego Pride a lot and I volunteer for them and I'll do a lot of their events for them on a volunteer basis because um, that makes me happy and I want to give back to those groups. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, I know in business and it's been talked about a lot more recently but like morning routine nighttime routine or do you have like a a list of like daily to do if like if i just do these three things every day like i will be successful like what what does the day in the life of yinka look like that's a really funny (laughs) i was just talking to my friend about that because she was like what is your routine and i was like Shannon, I wish I could tell you what my routine is. I look, I like, I want to have a routine, but I'm so not a routine type of person. And it's, it's really, it's been really interesting, especially being a a business owner, because I think people tend to put you in a certain silo when you're a business. I'm like, you have to be this and this and this and like routine and this. And I'm like, hmm, well. The 5 a.m. club. I'm like, yeah, no. I don't. The 4 a.m. club, not definitely not sleeping. when I know I have something you know what I mean like I just I I don't I don't really have like a set routine or anything I would I would I would like to get to that point I think it might maybe help me in some sort of way but as of right now I kind of just there's there's um many different types of business owners and, and there's the the free flowing kind of um like you have the objective and then you have the people who are task oriented and it's like they check, 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 done kind of thing. So it's... I am very much a free flowing. Like I have two monitors about to get a third because, you know, that life, that virtual <laughs> events life. Um, and <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, you just get to like... Hold on, roll. who's behind me? What? Got a screen back there. Hold on. All right. Sorry, basically. Frank. <laughs> yeah. Um so I mean you look at my computer and I, I think if you were to look at my computer it would look like absolute chaos to you if you didn't know with like all my tabs and mm-hmm. diagrams and all of that open but it makes complete sense to me and I know exactly what I'm doing and why I have 90,000 tabs open <laughs> on my browser. Yeah. Yes, and don't close any one of them. I accidentally closed out my tab yesterday in yeah. my browser and I was like, shit. No. Like, okay, well, <laughs> open the close tab on the thing and it was like 49 tabs. I was like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so then, um, like how are you keeping yourself on task then like at the end of the day do you like write down like i have like these things to do tomorrow like yeah it's more so like i i work 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 i just bust it out and then at the end of the day so i guess in a way i kind of do have certain tasks because at the end of the day i will do a like run down like i actually write it out of like okay you didn't get to this email this da, 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 and I'll just write it all down and that's in the next morning that's where I start and then I bust it all out okay so, so you have a in routine a way, okay yes you I have, have a routine. routine I have a routine yeah. and then do you do that like as the business day is over or do you do that at a certain time of the day or <sighs> gosh the business day I, over I, I wholeheartedly <laughs> understand that question because it's never over <laughs> um, so yeah at the end of the 
11 p.m. business day at times. Yeah. yeah. But I just at the end of the the night, like I I don't I don't have a way of really well, I, I just I will work until I feel like I'm not being productive anymore and my emails are just what 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 does that even like I'll read it and be like, what did, am I even trying to say? And that's when I usually go. <laughs> Do you think that's sustainable? No. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I know all my friends will say the same thing. Yeah, but all your friends aren't you and aren't doing the badass things you're doing. So there's a hybrid of getting shit done and being productive. And So I will say that I've gotten a lot better, um, especially towards the end of last year. Now I've gotten a lot better about try- giving myself like a, a hard stop of, okay, it's eight. You need to, you need to close down. Like it's, it's time. So. Yeah. But I also just with the world right now, we're so global, right? So sometimes I have to stay up late. I work, I work with, for a company that's based out of Hong Kong. So that's tomorrow. What is the time difference? Like 15, 16 hours, 14 hours? No, but it's, like it's like their morning. It's, it's getting yeah. to be, it's getting to be early yeah. for them now. <laughs> so there are times where I have to take an 8, 9 p.m. meeting. That's an hour know. long. And yeah, of course. Because yeah. so, that's what we do when we're small do. business owners and entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and trying to change the world in our own unique way. Yeah, and I like having my international clients. They, they keep it fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Well, Final three questions and I'll let you get back to your amazing, highly chaotic, productive day. Okay, okay. (laughs) What will you do next to achieve the state of happiness? I thought about this question a lot. Um, I wonder how other people have answered this because I feel I am very happy at this present moment with my life and the direction that it's going. Um, I want to say like surround my fam- myself with friends, <laughs> but that can't, it's not possible right now. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I, I think just honestly doing what I'm what I'm doing right now is making me extremely happy um so I think just moving forward and continuing with with this with this path this journey um aligning myself I've been aligning myself with some really great people not just in the events world just in general um and that's been making me really happy so I just going that path that journey that's awesome. Where do you want to see, where do you want to pursue growth in your life? I, th- <laughs> I don't know. No. Um, very happy business, but I think I would have to reflect personally um, on that one um, and say, I don't 
really know how to say this without being like, <laughs> Let it rip. <laughs> I would like to relationship, but I don't mean it in the like romantic sense of the word, of the word I okay. guess. Just growth, a partner. I think that's better. I would like to grow like that portion of my life is having a partner, <laughs> someone to share <laughs> in everything that I am doing now, if that makes sense. So business partner? No. No. Okay. Because uh, there's like some ambiguity. Okay. So it's not relationship. You don't want to take on a business partner. I just, I don't <laughs> want it to seem like relationship like I want to yeah I want a partner in life it's okay <laughs> I wanna, yes <laughs> a partner in life romantic I guess it is romantic huh because hell yeah yeah, yeah. It's okay. yeah but I don't need a man <laughs> you can have need want anything you want but if you can't articulate it and put it out into the universe it's never gonna happen so don't be afraid and ashamed of what you want. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, I think that's, yeah, that's an area I would like to see grow. That's awesome. Single, ready to mingle. Just, just saying. Well, we, we, no, there's I'm lots kidding. of people. <laughs> <laughs> um, one message you'd like to leave the listeners with. One message I'd like to live the, leave, leave the, the message. Listen to listeners. Wow. A little bit. Yeah, that one. People who are listening, what do you want to tell them? Leave them with a message. <clears throat> whatever you're questioning right now and whatever you think you cannot do, you can do it and just fucking do it. Nike. Except Nike Even doesn't, better. doesn't cuss. Yinka. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for this lovely conversation. Oh, you are very, very welcome. I, I, I hope it was good. It's going to be great. Yeah. Okay.